Hi guys! Hello my little stoner fairies. I have missed you all so much. I hope you all enjoy my Patreon leaked episode. I'm actually working on some more stuff for the Patreon as we speak. So I'm working on my April ins and out list. So I just want to tell you guys that as we're entering April and as we're entering the summer and as we're entering like the hotter months, okay, full bushes are fucking in. I can definitely imagine myself right now like laid out in my backyard bush pussy facing the fucking world I want that life for myself okay and I can already tell you guys now that the first thing on my outs list is gonna be fucking shaving shaving has been out for a while now it literally gives you like bumps you're performing beauty standards Da, 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 so many other things I personally used to shave because I just did not like having like a lot of pubic hair at once and I'm going to open your eyes to something guys you can trim okay trimming works just as good as shaving and also your hair is like necessary to protect the genitals from like dirt and bacteria so, if you guys want to see my full list and have access to the bonus episodes, make sure to check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash stoner. But I've missed you guys, and I hope you've been up to some good, cool stuff. Um, I am so excited that the spring equinox has passed. I hope you all had a good time and spent it wisely. And the day after the spring equinox is actually a new moon. So I hope you guys spent that wisely too. My grandma actually told me that on the new moon you're supposed to cut your split ends. So that your hair will grow back twice as long. So I did that. Hopefully I'll like wake up tomorrow and have like as much hair as I have on my bush. But it's added to my head now. That's what I really want. So, I haven't really been up too much. Um, I've been reading Paris Hilton's audiobook. And, sorry guys, I have a little sniffle. But I've been reading Paris Hilton's audiobook. And it's honestly really fucking good. Um, I listen to the book while I skate. And I didn't really have the time to, like, read the full book. So I just did, like, the free trial on Audible and got the book that way. Um, it's really good. It's basically about her and her life and her childhood and how she had ADHD growing up and no one knew how to deal with it because, like, the symptoms are easier to hide in women. Um, it's also about, like her life as a party girl and how like she actually came from humble beginnings and people thought her family was rich but they actually weren't that rich they were just trained to act the part it's really really good i would definitely recommend it to you guys um i haven't finished it yet 
but as soon as um I finish it, I will give you guys an update and let you know how I liked it. I'm sure I will like it. There's also this really good app I wanted to tell you guys about. It's called Goodreads. So I kind of have a book club, but no one in my book club like reads as avidly as I do. But if you guys download the app Goodreads and if you read a lot of books, you can actually like track the books that you read on the app and you can like rate and log and review them. It's kind of like Letterboxd, which is another one of my favorite apps. So the app is really good too. <sighs> so uh, we actually talk about like party safety a lot in the book and she talks about like her I guess her rules to party going is wear comfortable shoes stay hydrated and tipsy is cute but drunk is not so it's really funny because it kind of reminds me of that tweet where people will be like it basically said like stoners will be like oh you have to try smoking before tying your shoes it's so much better that way or you have to try smoking before eating breakfast it's so fucking good and guys I am a stoner but I don't like do drugs all the time I feel like a good part of life is like having balance and like the only thing that makes doing drugs like so fun for me is because there's an equal amount of time when I'm not doing drugs. I hope that makes sense. And so I'm actually really excited to finish it. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but I'm definitely going to add it to the Stoner Fairy reading list. But we have a lot of things in my journal for us to talk about today. I journal throughout the week. I try to keep my journal on me at all times and I'll keep it like next to my bed in case I like think of something in the middle of the night that I want to talk about or like you never know when you might need a good journal. So basically I call it this episode love in a political climate because I feel like that's kind of the world that we're living in right now and I feel like a, we're doing a lot of things in a political climate so I just kind of wanted to comment on that and see what you guys are thinking this idea kind of just came to me because I first of all I want to say Death to the I hate everyone but you trope. I don't know where that came from. And guys, I told you like the origin of my relationship. I'm pretty sure. I understand the allure of enemies to lovers. I understand the allure of the bad boy trope. I understand the allure of all of these things. But we can understand why people want them and still consciously make the decision to let them go. I feel like the whole 10 things about you or I hate everyone but you trope is really, really toxic because I feel like that sets you up to be with people who are unkind. First of all, why would you want to be in a relationship with someone who hates everybody? And I honestly, I just feel like 
we need to normalize going for what serves us and normalize going for genuinely kind people who like check all our boxes and stuff because if you don't make sure that that person checks all your boxes before you like do other stuff you're basically going to be in something that you feel like you never signed up for and that's kind of what happened to me like my relationship started off as a situationship and it was kind of like an enemies to lovers thing and now we've been dating for three years so I'm just warning you guys that that could happen to you Basically, before we can talk about why I think we should abolish situationships and love in a political climate, I feel like we have to discuss, like, how do situationships start? And a lot of people have, like, been in situationships and, like, they don't even realize what's going on. So, I'm just going to tell you guys, I guess some of the signs that I wrote down that show you're in a situationship. Okay, number one. Basically, if you guys have been hanging out for an extended period of time, I'm talking like months or like multiple nights in a row, that's always a telltale sign because it's like, I feel like the trademark of situationships are like consistent inconsistency. And so another thing I wrote on my list is... If you guys always text or only hang out at nighttime or like super early in the morning, it's never like throughout the day. Or if you guys do talk throughout the day, it's like small talk. Um, number three is if you know stuff about them. Like if you know like their birthday or stuff about their family or their friends. Typically stuff that you would know about somebody in a relationship but you know about someone you're in a situationship with. Um, I also wrote down, these can tend to happen. They can happen literally before your eyes. Let's say, like, you've been talking to them for a long time, and they've been talking to you for a long time, and, like, you guys are enjoying having sex consistently. And then here's the thing, too. Sex basically throws all of our decision making out of the door and it overrides our base level of logic. And in this like, in this like world that we live in, I feel like situationships are so common because we have all of these forces like economic forces, social and cultural forces and then like political forces that have made them so commonplace and we talk about how like how can we overcome like this culture of love lovelessness that makes like situationships a social norm and instead start cultivating fulfilling and long-lasting relationships and I feel like I feel like there are a lot of factors that make these situationships possible. Um, the main factor being that we like 
tolerate a lot of things for lack of what we actually want so like I've heard a lot of people say that like I'm in a situationship it's not exactly what I want but I'd rather have a situationship than do nothing and I get that but like if you apply that logic to anything else or if you had like a friend that was telling you that and venting to you about how they're in a situationship but they want more my advice to you is to basically just imagine what you would tell a friend in that situation and just apply it to yourself. So if you feel like your friend is settling for something that they don't really want, um, doing it because that's the only option, bitch, I would tell them to fucking stop. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps and fucking stop. And so for my list, I also wrote down that you can also tell you're in a situationship if you're constantly like wondering what are we or you like feel like you don't really know if you're dating but you're doing things that people who would be dating do and you feel like mentally you're in that dating space um basically guys we have to stop asking people what are we because when you ask someone what are we you're putting all of the power in their hands to basically define the relationship and to change the narrative of the relationship as it was known to you I feel like a better alternative to the what are we conversation would kind of just be to like talk to someone or sit them down and be like here's what I feel like is going on here's like here's what I feel like we are, here's what I want us to be, maybe something like that, because I don't, I feel like the idea of what are we is, like, inherently manipulative, and I feel like if you're in the position to where you're asking someone, like, what are we, a lot of the times you are know what you are already you just want that person to like confirm it and I'm in a place of like self-love and I don't really want anyone to like decide what we are or confirm anyone for me I kind of just want it to be like a mutually established feeling mutually established attraction mutually established communication and I feel like the what are we talk is almost as ingrained in our culture as situationships are because it's kind of one of those things that we all just kind of suffer through and we all just kind of do but a lot of people like you don't actively try to like change that narrative because it's just a narrative that we've all participated in for so long and so the next thing on my list is why are situationships becoming so popular I feel like it's definitely due to trauma. Maybe a lot of us have gone through so much trauma from dating or family or life or past relationships that you kind of, you want all the benefits of intimacy, but don't want to deal with all of the backlash and downfalls and the commitment of actually having to be in a relationship. Number two is apps. And not just dating apps, I feel like this goes for like all apps, especially like TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and stuff. I feel like they've like limited our attention span to where a lot of the times it has 
like um spilled into our daily lives to where it's not just hard to date it's hard to like sit down and read a book or it's hard to like listen to people talk or it's hard to like watch a show or a movie for too long I also wrote down that I feel like fast culture too has like contributed to why situationships happen and why it's so hard to date because like first of all we don't even live in walkable cities anymore. That on its own implies that everything is supposed to be like faster. Like we want fast food, fast Wi-Fi, fast direct deposit, literally everything. And if we as a culture have been so conditioned to like having everything right in front of us, and if everybody in this culture has been like exposed to stuff online and like red pill content or like feminist content that's saying like oh you deserve the world it's up to this person to give it to you it has like almost like tainted our society and like put something bad in the water so the second thing I wrote is that if you're in a situationship and you don't want to be in the in a situationship you're probably wondering like how to get out and guys this happened to me and there's kind of a simple formula to it so the first thing you want to do is you want to have the ethical what are we combo and that basically for me just entails not asking what are we but like I said like laying out a clear blueprint in your mind for what you want to be with that person laying out a blueprint for maybe what went wrong in your last relationship or what are some things you feel like you want in this relationship and what things you feel like are deal breakers too because everything is important I like to plan out my conversations with people and plan out my goals and bullet points so that I know what the fuck I'm talking to and so I can like come correct so you just want to, I don't want to say ask what are we, but it's more of like a tell them what we are and what we want to be. And then after you do that, you see how they feel. See how they react to this information that you're telling them. See if they feel the same. See if they want to stop or if they want to continue. So after that, you decide what now. Based on their answer, whether it's yes or no, um, you still have to move on and have a plan going forward. So if they decide that they do want to move forward, I would say basically try to put some guidelines on the relationship. Like if you want to get out of situationship territory, you don't have to go from situationship to dating, but you guys can go from situationship to exclusive. Like we're not dating, but I'm also not seeing anyone else but you. Just for like, I like to move to this territory for like sexual safety purposes too. Because like, if you're in a situationship, chances are you're having sex regularly. Chances are you probably have a couple other people that you're having sex with too. So I normally, if you are the one who wants to move out of that territory, definitely cut off those other people that you might be seeing romantically and I'm not saying like make it like some abrupt thing like oh I'm seeing someone so we can't talk anymore I would probably just either slowly wean those people off of you or just explain to them that I'm seeing someone and I want to see where it goes 
And if anything, that will show that you take your relationship seriously. And if things don't work out, then at least you still left things on good terms with the other people. So if they don't want to move forward with the situationship, the first thing I wrote on my list is take time to feel. Um, I've kind of been trying to operate by an ask and you shall receive policy, uh, cry when you need to policy. Like, I will stop anything to cry if I feel like it's coming out. And that has drastically, like, healed my inner child and healed, like, a lot of wounds that I've caused on myself, too, because I've become, like, such a silent crier. I'm a silent pretty crier, and I don't want to fucking be that anymore. I want to be the one who feels everything. I want to be an ugly crier. I want to fall in love, experience heartbreak, make mistakes. I want to do fucking everything because I told you guys I was at a point like in my life last year and many years before that where I just didn't want to fucking be here anymore and if I'm going to make the conscious decision to like love life and be on this earth bitch I'm feeling everything imaginable including heartbreak and I feel like in a way like even things like heartbreak you can still look fondly on and it's all about the narrative that you spin for yourself during those times like sure if you're crying in your bed and not getting up to eat or shower you're definitely not gonna have a good time but if you're heartbroken and you're like eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream and watching movies with your friends and like talking to your cat and you've never talked to your cat before this is the time to do that and this is the time to like find other creative outlets And the last thing on my list is you definitely want to move on and be happy. And this applies for both roads. Whether they want to stop or continue, you want to move forward and be happy and define, like, what this future moving forward means to you. Um, I feel like we have place like technology and work and relationships at the center of our lives and I don't think that the world should be that way I feel like there are so many better things to focus on than relationships and I told you guys I read that book wired for love and wired for dating that basically said that we need to remove um romantic relationships out of the center of our lives to truly be ready to have a romantic partner and to share our lives with someone but I do have some warnings for you guys so if you're leaving a situationship whether you're the one who wants to end the situationship or you're the one who wants to stay in the situationship be careful because first of all If they're telling you that they don't know if they're ready or they don't want to be in a relationship, bitch, you better fucking listen because you don't want to be the one that's like saying like, I can't believe I did this. I can't believe that I stayed. If whatever this person is showing you with their actions and telling you whether it be verbally or like mentally or in the fucking metaphysical realm, listen to them because if someone's like constantly sending you signals that they don't want you and 
you're constantly wanting them and wanting to be together, you can fall into something that's basically called the anxious avoidant trap. And this trap happens when one person doesn't want to be a part of the relationship and they're like pulling away, texting less, wanting to see each other less. And then as that one person is pulling away, um, the other person is basically pursuing them because the more they want to leave you, the more you want to be with them. And I've been in this trap before. I've been on both sides of the story. And honestly, it just doesn't fucking feel good. It doesn't feel good. And so I would say if you see yourself falling into the anxious avoidant trap, just end it for everybody and honestly for yourself and for the other person just put everyone out of their misery because it doesn't feel good so i saved this tiktok for you guys that i want you to listen to okay beautiful thing is happening in the world we are talking more and more about friendships I am, there are so many articles, there are people, I found so many people on TikTok who are helping mainly women folk um, navigate friendships, they're friendship experts, Vox, um, The Atlantic, there have been so many articles written and series about friendships because right now in North America, if you're on this side of North America, the United States, we are experiencing a... Um, a friend recession and this is this is interesting right um as we're working more from home um the pandemic has changed the contours of our relationship has cannibalized some of our uh, um, um friendships have redefined some of our friendships you know friendships is really on our mind right now in this present moment however in the process of talking about friendship and, 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 and speaking more honestly about how friendship breakups for a lot of us are far more impactful and hurtful than romantic ones, I want us not to, to lose something. So before I get to my, my main point, so I am someone who is rabidly obsessed with platonic love, platonic desires, um, mainly because just friendships have saved my life over and over again. Women, um, non-binary people have continued to save my life over and over again. And just like, ain't nothing like a friendship, right? You can survive without romantic relationships. You could survive if you never get married. You could survive if you never have children, but baby, <laughs> if you don't have a friend, it's going to be hard for you in these streets. And actually it'll, you know, compromise your immune system and um, it'll rob you of, of, of life like literally that is how critical to our mental social and physical health friendships are however comma i want us to not lose the thread of something as we're talking more and more about friendships don't forget baby it is the queers and the feminists who have always given us language to rethink the nuclear family to rethink family structures and how dangerous it is when we center nuclear families um, and biological kinship and make them the most important thing overall because what we're finding is tis not true so let us not defang and depoliticize this move towards platonic love and desire is deeply political the queers and the feminists gave this to you let us not forget that. And because the more we move towards platonic love and desire, 
we will have to upend the injustices in this world. So yeah, it's political. Basically, guys, I I read this article and this was when I first started getting into polyamory many, many moons ago. And I'm like wondering all these things. What can I do to keep busy while my partner is seeing someone else? How do I get over the ego? How do I get over the jealousy? All of these things. And so I was seeking advice online. And this article was about a woman and her best friend who lived in a house together. And they were two old ladies, probably in their 50s or 60s. And they saw people and they had romantic relationships and like dated people, but they decided to live in a house together because their friendship was more stable than a relationship could ever be. And that's kind of like a metaphor for my life. And I feel like in the climate that we live in, we need community and friends and emotional fulfillment more than fucking ever and that's kind of the part that like I don't understand about situationships is because they don't feel good to anybody and I feel like a lot of the times with social media and stuff we're starting to almost view humans as like commodities and if you think about like the layout of like hinge and tinder and stuff and the like conceptual idea of like putting all of your best features or traits like on an app and then you add all of your best pictures and then you add all of your interests and then you add all of your kinks it's almost like this like nuclear modern recipe for fucking love and disaster and I honestly feel like honestly a lot of us go to school we go to work we put ourselves together every morning we're literally like eating food every day managing our money and being like responsible bad bitches who have visions and plans for our futures and I feel like if a lot of people online or people in your life don't value that about you and if you feel like you don't if you feel like you want to be in a relationship and like someone isn't seeing what you bring to the table fucking leave you know what you bring to the table and I feel like if anybody first of all the world has put us in a sticky position because right now we're in a position we have never before in time been in because we're attached to our phones and we have been like conditioned via the world and the pandemic and the new age of technology to have our phones surgically attached to us at all times and it's almost like a drug or like a coping mechanism to where we need it by us for everything and so I feel like if anybody is already feeling like if you feel like you need anything beyond yourself to like validate and make your existence legitimate you're already giving your power and like self-agency away on your own 
And that kind of goes for anything because you don't have to, you could be giving away your self agency away to a person or a situationship or a job or your phone. It happens to like a lot of things. And that's why I'm like such a fan of slow living and such a fan of like rewriting my narrative and redefining my life because like I feel like whatever blueprint we're like living by is kind of just not working anymore so there are a couple things that I wrote down for us to look at in the like in the light of healthy relationships okay so this article says why bell hooks definition of love has never been more important okay so what is bell hooks definition for love it's six ingredients number one is care extending yourself in some way to nurture yourself or others two is commitment practicing intentional love every day rather than expecting it to be there for you without effort I struggle with this one a lot, guys. I have so been there. Number three is knowledge, being genuinely curious about the people around you and accepting of who they are. And guys, I struggle with this one a lot because I feel like oftentimes it's not reality that makes us upset. It's almost like the narrative that our brain has spun around reality in addition to reality that makes us upset. So a lot of times the things that we create in our minds are a lot worse than like or better than what's going on in real life. And potential potential will be the fucking killer of relationships because potential is there all day and it's a lot easier to fall in love with and romanticize potential and to stay with someone based on what they could be but we need to understand and accept life and people for what they are instead of what we want them to be truly number four is responsibility understanding the immense power that love holds over people's lives and wielding that power wisely number five is respect giving the love you expect to receive back and number six is trust being vulnerable and true to yourself with others and being gentle with the vulnerability that others have shown to you and this one is definitely true because i feel like a lot of us don't like understand the like weight and power that we hold when people's feelings are in our hands and this book all about love is so good because she basically explains like how her past two long-term boyfriends were like they were foiled by patriarchal thinking and like sexist gender roles and so neither of those relationships ever really had a chance and it also says that she kept wanting to recommend a book for men to read but could not find one that clearly made her point so being the queen she was she decided to literally write her own and so basically hooks combines her personal life and experiences with like psychological ideas that are already there 
and she criticizes the way that love is used in today's society because when you think about the word love we use it so much like without meaning when talking about like how much we like our favorite ice cream or how much we like our game or how much we like this outfit and so basically Hook's philosophy is that she is disturbed that our culture has lost like the true meaning of love and she thinks it's because we don't have a single definition for love and so the first chapter of her book she talks about like what she thinks love is and why it before we can do anything else we all need to be on the same page and have a universal idea for what love and commitment really means and I feel like this is like a high thing to request of people because there are a lot of things that we like can't unify on in the world and I feel like society wise and culture wise like love means different things to different people too so she basically just talks about what she thinks the definition of love is to her and then she adds like the components like the care affection trust honesty respect and stuff and commitment most of all and she basically says that if we agree that love is like an action rather than like a thing then we would all be happier because love is a lot more of like an interactive process than people normally think because it's not just about like what we feel it's also about like what we do and what we are and it's more of a fact of daily life than just something you can like throw together and that's part of the reason why like situationships are so fucking painful because you're going through all of the emotions and all of the feelings and all of the like context and pain that true love and relationship would normally give you but without any of the good feelings it's all the bad parts of being in a relationship and I'm pro like I'm anti-dating app, but I'm pro-hookup culture. Some people just like situations better because you can hook up and you don't have any of the, like, baggage that being in a relationship has. And I'm just going to be honest. I feel like, number one, it's not normally women that I see saying that they love situationships. It's normally men. And number two... That is a flaw in, like, logic and thinking by itself because as humans, you can't expect to just pick out whatever parts you want of somebody and then just let them deal with the rest of on their own because this is what I was saying in my last episode with Alana, friend of the pod. I feel like we failed as a society because sex should not be like a gateway to intimacy it should be like a solidifying of the intimacy and the feelings that are kind of already there and I'm pro hookup I have sex with people I'm not in love with all the time that's not what I'm saying you can have sex with whoever you want I'm saying don't simulate relationships with people that you don't actually want to be with and so if we go back to what hooks is saying 
she states that so many people think that it's enough to say what we feel, even if their actions do not correspond with what they're feeling. And she strongly clarifies why society needs to adopt a universal definition of love. And she begins her book with a series of spiritual messages, including Bible verses, to support her definition of love and claims that a standard definition of love must include spiritual growth for oneself and others. Although she refers to biblical messages, she does not promote religion. On the contrary, she encourages spiritual thinking. Hooks blames the flaw in relationships nowadays on a loose understanding about love, and she shares personal experiences about fearing rejection and emotional pain. As a result, she acknowledges lacking full commitment and expressing vulnerability because of the fear of not receiving those things in turn. So, giving care and affection were her minimal expectations in her relationships, necessary but not sufficient. Hooks introduces the necessity of practicing self-love and care to sustain a healthy relationship with a concrete understanding of love. Honestly, guys, I feel like this book is just so fucking good. I'm definitely adding it to the reading list, you guys. Sub to the Patreon so you can have access to the reading list and the YouTube watch list. They are so real for that. I keep everything there. And this, I feel like this book sheds like a lot of light on like the modern day like abandonment of love and what it means for people to like go out and experience love in this world. And honestly... Love has become kind of an enigma, I feel. And I was having a conversation with my mom about this. Uh, I think this was last month around Valentine's Day. I told her that I felt like Valentine's Day was basically like a corporate cash grab. And I feel like a lot of things like um, basically capitalize off of our desire to not want to be alone. They capitalize off of our need to feel happiness and attention and attraction. And I feel like Valentine's Day is like another step in the staircase that furthers the belief that we need like this one true love or we need to find the one to be complete. And ever since I, like, let go of those beliefs and, like, kind of just lived my life doing what I wanted to and wearing what I wanted to and eating what I wanted to, I honestly, I found that I was living a lot better. And when I say, like, do what you want, wear what you want, I don't mean do those things with, like, reckless abandon. I mean do those things with empathy and with you know be conscious about the feelings of other people but also conscious about the feelings of yourself and that balance is like so important to have in life so basically one of the things that I wrote down from this book is that Hook says that she believes that love cannot exist in the middle of a power struggle and she even gives like a list of problems she finds with our modern ideals of love and like proposes possible solutions and she basically includes like the full transformation of modern day love 
if it was based on affection, respect, recognition, commitment, trust, and care. And she also points out what she sees to be like the root of all these problems. And I know I made my own little list, but I wrote down her list too. She says that the modern day problems with love are gender stereotypes, domination, control, ego, and aggression. And she says that from a very young age, boys and girls are constantly being knocked down and told to fit into the tiny box of characteristics that are expected of them. And the boy is denied his right to show or even have any true feelings. To further explain, she uses men in the American culture as an example and describes how they have been socialized to mistrust the value and power of love while the girl is taught that the most important thing she can do in life is to change herself and her own feelings with the hopes of attracting and pleasing everyone else these unfair expectations lead boys and girls to grow up into men and women who are convinced that lies are the way to go and that no one should be showing their truest feelings to each other this leads to the paradox that hooks point out because honesty is a natural requirement for a functional and healthy loving relationship and lies may make people feel better but they do not help them to know love and then she says that it is almost impossible for women to find happiness in what she sees as a brutal culture where men are taught to worry more about sexual satisfaction and performance than actually loving someone paired with the fact that women are encouraged to focus so strongly on obtaining a partner and this leads to most relationships being completely one-sided this is 100 percent fucking true and so in these relationships i.e. and mind you guys like this book came out a while ago this book came out in 2000 and she's talking about situationships it's like her i guess her definition of situationships so she basically says that this leads us in a situation where the men are emotionally satisfied and the women are left without any true happiness and this can go either way you know with the gender roles a situation ship could have like the woman as the inconsistent one and the guy being the pursuer this has happened to me before this happened with the guy from tinder who almost gave me fucking herpes because he was in love with me and so then she points out like despite these problems in modern day love culture that there's still like hope if we actively change the way we think about love our culture and like social media and stuff I honestly my general rule of thumb is that I try to keep like social media out of love it made my life a lot better to just not be worried about what it, people post online or what I post online or anything other than what's right in front of me because I don't want to live in the world of potential I don't want to live in the world of like what ifs anymore I just want to live in the world of what's right in front of me and a lot of us bitches I say a lot of us bitches because I'm guilty of this too we need to come back to fucking reality okay I had a summer of delusion I had a winter of delusion I don't want to be delusional anymore I want to be sane and come back to the real world okay so then I have some quotes from her book right here 
it says love is an act of will an act of intention and action love is the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another spiritual growth love is as love does love is an act of will namely both of intention and action because our fantasy of true love is that and will be just that simple and easy usually we imagine that true love will be immensely pleasurable and romantic full of love and light in truth true love is about work the poet rainer maria rilke wisely observed like so much else people have also misunderstood the place of love in life they have made it into play and pleasure because they thought that play and pleasure was more blissful than work but there is nothing happier than work and love just because it is the extreme happiness can be nothing else but work the essence of true love is mutual recognition two individuals seeing each other as they really are and i honestly guys if you feel like you're like struggling in your relationship or struggling to pull it together you're talking to guys i am a retired hot girl okay i'm a retired hot girl who got into a situationship that ended up lasting three years and turning into a very loving and immensely fulfilling relationship. So I understand all of these issues, which is why I feel like it's like okay for me to comment on them because I've been there before. It is so easy to fall like to want to fall under the blankets of like love and comfort and like soon I will find like my one Disney one for me but I had to bring myself back to the fucking real world like I said and remove romantic relationships out of the center of my life because even from childhood if you think about like the media that like women are fed versus men i feel like men are more pushed towards cars and trades and careers and women if you see like kids play sets towards girls it's always like kitchen play set or hair doing play set or anything that basically promotes like domestic activities so the first step in like rewriting your narrative and changing your life is moving romantic love out of the center of your life because that is just programming the things that need to be in the center of your life are you your work your health your happiness your sanity your food your friends and your pets everything but that because a lot of us don't even know that we're being programmed and we're walking around roaming the earth wondering why am I so fucking sad all the time and it's because like we're we become like modern day robots if you guys haven't read 1941 that's on my list I always forget if it's like 1941 or 1981 guys fucking read it it's good also read animal farm it's good too and basically in that book 1981 they like okay guys i need to do like a fact check before i talk about this okay let's see i'm looking up if the book is 1981 or 1941 okay it's 1941 
I'm pretty sure. Okay? So, basically, in that book, they, like, they ban... The government has taken over the world, and they've banned everything. they banned free speech, um, they banned love, and they've even banned, like, thinking things that the government doesn't want you to think. They have TVs in that world that stay on 24-7, and they stay on even when you're looking at them. No, even when you're not looking at them, and they have, like, a law that, like, you have to look at the TV all the time if it's on. And so, I think it's really good. And a lot of times, guys, when we look at, like, this old media and old, like, books and stuff, because All About Love was from 2000. 1981 was written in, like, the fucking 40s or 50s or something. And they have, like, predicted everything that we're in so how many times have we like seen it in history when like a past generation told you that something would happen and like they literally didn't listen and then like the world fucking collapsed and explodes that's where I feel like we're at now so another thing I wanted to talk about with you guys is the Harry and Meghan like documentary Um, I'm pretty sure I watched it on Netflix. I can't remember if I watched it on Netflix or pirated it, but it's really good because, like, first of all, Harry and Meghan, they are the OG swirlers, and if you guys didn't know, I'm, like, dating interracially. I've done it, like, all my life, so they swirling used to be like a derogatory term but I just use it because I think it's fun because swirlers sounds like it sounds like a lot more like oh like a fun little game than a slur but that's the slur that they have for people who are like dating interracially you're swirling your cultures and so in the Harry and Meghan documentary they basically both say that they didn't know that it would be such a big deal for, like, the world that Harry was white and that Meghan was black. And my question is, like, how did he not know? How did they not know? How did Meghan not know as a black person that this was going to be, like, a huge thing for them? Because race is literally underlined in like it's like weaved into every single facet of our lives and every single facet of society and our culture so I feel like it's one thing for Meghan Markle to be white passing because she is she's a white passing black woman and she's like a digestible black woman so it's one thing to be white passing and then it's another thing to be joining the royal family Okay, so I feel like that's why people got upset because it's almost like one of those things like, oh, we've gotten to a place and it's taken so long to where uh, non-white people can exist around us and they can drink out of the same water fountains we do and go to the same stores we do, but they can't join our political, they can't be our political figures and join our royal families. That's just never going to pass. And so I basically ran a poll on my Instagram saying, like, could you ever be with someone who had opposing political views than you in a relationship? And just as I thought, like, the majority of you guys said no, I get it. That would be my answer, too. 
Um, my second question that I want to do a poll on is that is all love political in this climate? And I always struggle with this because I don't know. Well, I do know. I feel like that's definitely a fact that all love is political. But I feel like love is more political for me, like, as a black person dating a white person. Because, like, when you're a person of color and you're with a person who's not even arguments are political because there's always going to be some type of disparity that's like in between you guys whether it's racial disparity cultural disparity there there's always going to be something because the more marginalized you are and the more like your community has been like wronged by society I feel like that that the more political like love gets and the more political your life gets and I, I basically have had such a hard time, like, learning how to be with someone who's had such a different life than me, and that's another reason why, like, guys, I told you my partner and I ended up accidentally getting together, and it turned into something more, but one of the reasons why I decide to stay in my relationship is because I feel like dating someone of a different culture can be like incredibly fulfilling. It can make you knowledgeable about so many things you were never knowledgeable about before. It can like challenge you and enhance like your problem solving skills and stuff. And it's also just like, it's a test of if you guys are both like strong enough to overcome everything that the world is throwing at you because you guys would be surprised like interracial dating has said to be like a widely accepted thing but it's still not it's not accepted a lot in our culture like someone called my boyfriend my slave master um we've been called Hitler and Harriet Tubman before obviously guys if black people get called slurs white people who associate with black people are gonna get called slurs too and so that's why I was saying I feel like the word swirler is so funny because it's almost like a slur that doesn't sound like a slur and so I guess my thing is that I feel like I struggle so much with, like, letting my partner meet me where they are instead of where I want them to be, and that makes me sad because, like, I don't want to push anyone to be anything that they can't be, but I also feel like I have boundaries and standards that need to be upheld, and that's a hard part about, like, interracial relationships, and it's said that dating someone outside of your race can be a lot more tiring and put a lot more stress on the relationship than dating someone in your race because if you date someone who's different than you you basically are signing up to spend the rest of your life explaining stuff and whether it's like even if they just don't know or it comes from a good place you're still like explaining and explaining and explaining but if you don't explain you then suffer from a lack of being understood and you suffer from like the pain of being with someone who can't understand you so 
it's hard because in a society where we've all been like conditioned to like girl boss culture and like self-care culture and we've been told by like everyone that we deserve nothing but the world and then you put like a realistic relationship in front of you and it's filled with like all of these flaws and struggles and things you have to work through and build together in order to stay together I hate that society has always been so like block and move on and leave what doesn't serve you because I feel like that encourages us to like abandon things that we've put work in and I feel like it makes it a safe space to ghost people and it makes it a safe space for expectations to not be met because we tell ourselves that oh I'm not gonna look at anything on my phone I don't want to look at or I'm not gonna accept nothing but queen treatment or prince treatment or da 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 and a lot of times like life just does not fucking work like that a large part of relationships whether it be romantic relationships or friendship relationships is transactional so you have to put as much in as you get out and I feel like we need to find a good middle ground between like self-love and self-care and also just lowering our expectations a little and taking things as they are and that's why I was saying I struggle with having like these high expectations for where I want things not even just my partner but myself and the world and like society I want them to be like these things and normally they can't live up to what I want them to be in my head and so it's a lot easier if you just look at what they are and think about what you can do to make the current situation better and not just like what you would do if things were better and so I understand that we should all be like bettering ourselves but at the end of the day we're still humans with human nature and human characteristics so yeah we will make mistakes and like stumble a lot on the way to like on the path of life and interracial relationships are a lot harder than regular relationships because you have to overcome like your families yourselves your egos and society it's not just like me and my partner versus the world anymore it's me and my partner versus ourselves the world and each other because people like people of the same race don't have to explain themselves to each other and a lot of the times I'm fucking tired because I feel like I've spent my whole life explaining things to people I feel like I spent my whole life like taking microaggressions and it even got to a point where like I would point out stuff like that to my boyfriend and he got like better at pointing out microaggressions than me because like I've become so desensitized to it that they kind of just like fly by my radar it's just like a fact of life and I feel like if you decide to date outside of your race or culture you're basically signing up to spend the best the rest of your life like explaining microaggressions and that's not to say that there aren't like good things too and like many benefits to like being in an interracial relationship that was such a fucking fumble an interracial relationship guys so I feel like 
how do we expect to like advance our cultures and like be like a melting pot if we're not like being with people outside of the norm and being with people outside of our religion or outside of our races and stuff that's always been super interesting to me because I'm I love seeing like the lives that people have lived I love like creating my own life with like various bits of my friends and families and shows and books I've read and cultures like mixed in but I will say like there are some parts of my boyfriend's family that like don't approve of our relationship or they don't even know we are together or like I'm just thinking that I don't know if like I would ever want to have children because I don't know if I'd want to like birth like a mixed child into this like political world and have them suffer from the same things that I suffered from. I don't want to think that I'd have a child that like can't know their entire family because there are parts of your family and like your history that don't even like approve of your existence. And imagine being like a child or being like a person at all and finding out that like the your entire existence is a pain in someone's ass. And that's why I feel like being like black or queer or like marginalized in general is just a really specific experience that white people or any person not of color can't really relate to because your entire from the second you're born you're basically taught like the history of how hard like your people fought to be in this world and to be in the same world as everyone else and to have a place in this world and so that's like one thing and then to date someone who's never experienced that or can't understand that is another thing. To date someone who's also a different gender than you, because guys, I'm primarily attracted to women, but I love my boyfriend and things just kind of happen on a whim. So to date someone that's a different gender than you and is like a different set of problems, that's hard as well. And so I think like the first time I went over my boyfriend's grandparents' house for the first time, I like walked into their house and it was like some fucking holiday or something and I saw like a lawn jockey in the living room. And for those of you guys don't know, a lawn jockey is basically like, it's like a black Jim Crow era caricature type of thing and people would put them as decorations on their lawns I guess to show that like their lawns were like tended by like a black person or something I don't fucking know um it was kind of just really awkward to see that because like I've met his family many times and we're around each other all the time and they're not like racist people but I feel like racism and prejudice is so ingrained in our society that people don't even realize when things are racist anymore and that's what I was saying as the microaggressions become like so second nature to me that my white partner became like better at pointing them out than I was because they like 
they just fly right by. And there are so many things that are, like, still rooted in racism because, like, it's one thing to be, like, a marginalized person and, like, live the life that you've lived. But it's another thing to, like, merge lives with someone and have to, like, explain, like, the entire life and history of oppression that you've lived to them. And I feel like people just kind of fall in love with each other and you can fall in love with anybody but there are other things in this physical realm that could be holding you back from being with each other like class and race and culture and religion and a lot of times love is just not strong enough to overpower those things even if we like to think it is and even if we want it to be And that's why I feel like society is, like, brainwashing us because we make it seem like love is, like, this noun, right? Love is a person, place, or thing. It's this unstoppable force, immovable object. It conquers all. It moves worlds. It solves hunger and world peace and everything. But that's honestly just not true. And that's why I was saying it's a... Love is meant to be, like, an action. It's an everyday act of mindfulness for me. And I function a lot better knowing that I'm not just in this relationship. And love is not just happening to me. I'm not falling in love and it's hitting me like a bus. I'm actively choosing to mindfully participate in this relationship every day for the betterment of, like, my sanity, for the betterment of my life. And being in an interracial relationship is a lot harder because you have a lot more other factors preventing you from being with each other. And love is not enough. Love is not enough to have a relationship. And I don't think that we should get, like, married off love alone. And then the meaning of marriage in general has, like change so fucking much because marriage has become like less ceremonial and more institutionalized so I would never be like laid up in my bed madly in love with my partner we shared all our assets and we're building like a fulfilling life with each other the last thing I'm thinking is hmm let's get the government involved in this And so it seems like a lot of people like, and the world is like requiring this of us almost to get married based off like health benefits or based off of like, I don't know, societal benefits or even like in some cultures, they still have like arranged marriage too. And when you think about like, the idea is that you meet someone and you fall in love, and you merge your lives, but doesn't that merging of lives take away the possibility of, like, living a life of your own, and that's not even just, like, a women-specific thing, that goes for everybody, because I feel like relationships take away a large part of our personal agency, and when you think about marriage and the institution, the world, like, expects us to be surgically attached to our partners at the hip, and we're supposed to eat together, sleep together, live together, and all this stuff, but I struggle with feeling like I don't want to be 
like consumed like that and I feel like if I did end up getting married I hope that I do I hope that I love so hard that I want to solidify my love like that one day if I do end up getting married I'm going to definitely be doing something different than the cultural norm and I don't just mean by like having vegan food when the norm would be to have regular food I definitely mean I want to like create a wedding that feels like personal to me and doesn't feel like it's like a copy and paste of like our class or our religion or our society and I would definitely have like a closed private ceremony of sorts because I feel like the world has like we've gotten too used to having everything out in the open and I would love to have like a small um private intimate ceremony and just have it something have it be something that's like sacred and private to me forever and so I also have this thread pulled up I wanted to read to you guys it says what Venus the Greek goddess teaches us about love in Vedic astrology, Venus is known as the planet of love. It is the lord of the natural seventh house, which governs partnerships, relationships, and marriages. It is exalted in Pisces, indicating the dissolution of self and love. Therefore, it is surprising that in the Nashrata system, it rules over Barani, Purva, oh my god, I'm fucking like butchering these names. But basically they're saying that love is nestled within all of the signs. And although Venus has its lordship over these signs, it teaches us a very important lesson about love. Part 1. The Intrinsic Human Problem. What Leads Us to Love? Humans are gifted with awareness. We are all... We all are life being aware of itself however with this also comes awareness of the fact that we are separate entities with short lives and that we're born against our will and will die against it too those that love will die before us or we will die before them the awareness of this aloneness and separatelessness helplessness help us oh my gosh the awareness of this aloneness and separateness and helplessness against forces that are beyond our comprehension make our separate existence an unbearable prison. The only source of liberation from anxiety that is born of this separateness is the possibility of reunion with other people in love. However, our anxiety in the face of separateness makes us turn to a pathology instead of love. Rather than loving others, we seek to be loved. Our love is an immature kind of love. A self-seeking love we seek a solution to our problems and others we do not seek love we seek an entity that will absorb us so we don't have to face our aloneness our love is as follows I love only because I am love because I cannot endure existing separately I love with desperation because I do not seek union I seek a solution I love because I need it I don't love because I am loving 
What Venus teaches us through nashratas is that we cannot love immaturely. We cannot love out of our anxiety at separateness and the loss of self, since death in most belief is the greatest separateness of all. Venus teaches us that individualism is a precursor to love, a precursor to love. Without secureness within ourselves, we can take and deplete from others, and we do not give as we should. Love requires the ability to have empathy with others, and that empathy is not possible if we are not developed as people ourselves. Yes, guys, that's definitely true. So many people focus on finding the right person, and not enough people focus on being the right person. So then it says, moreover, love means freedom. Love is not bondage. To love someone because you want is a solution to your own aloneness is not love. Thus Venus exalts in Pisces. In the Venus ruled sign, we develop our own individual capacity to love rather than to be love. We learn how to love. We can learn to be free individuals so that we can love freely. And I also feel like that's the end of the thread, by the way. I feel like I don't like the idea of, guys, do you not think that love is, like, rooted in capitalism today? Like, do you guys not think that the media is, like, pushing love and dating apps and aloneness on us so that we, like, constantly seek solutions in other ways? That's what I'm saying. All love is political because we live in a political climate. And so, guys, I'm just going to say spring is considered to be the season of love because everything is blooming and the birds are mating and life is good. So I just hope that you guys are doing whatever is fulfilling with fulfilling to you with like mindfulness and empathy towards others. Um, there are also a couple other silly things I wanted to talk about. So guys, I think I'm going to retire from my party girl lifestyle and get a nine to five job because I am moving into like a house soon in like a week. And I feel like I also should like adopt a more adult lifestyle because in my apartment, it's okay to like, you know, like, stay out all night and do, like, the drinking and the partying and, like, come home to, like, my dogs and, like, let them in front of the complex to, like, go pee, but the front yard of my complex is just a large, empty parking lot with fluorescent lights. So, I feel like as I'm, like, entering a new cycle in my life and a new phase in, like, my maturity, I feel like I'm going to try to get a regular job. I don't want to be the Manny Pixie Dream Girl anymore. I want to be a normal ass bitch. Okay, the other thing I wanted to read to you guys is this article that says, Why do men have nipples? An anatomical development is well underway before sex and determination in, in an embryo. And according to evolutionary theory, the better question may be, why do men, why not have nipples? So, 
Looking over every detail of the human body, male nipples may be the most obviously useless. In females, they are essential for delivering life-sustaining breast milk to newborns. In men, they serve well no apparent purpose. Virtually every other anatomical structure clearly furthers the enterprise of survival and reproduction, so why would we evolve one that doesn't? The answer may lie in a subtle misunderstanding of evolutionary theory's fundamental assumption that living organisms change over time, becoming better adapted to their environments in response to the pressures of natural selection. Few scientific tenets are as certain as this one, but it's easy to oversimplify that account and interpret it to mean that very modification in a species is adaptive, developed to fulfill a vital function. So basically, it says that the reason that men have nipples is because in evolution basically in embryo we all start as like women slay for that but as the embryo develops more the like you develop like all of your chromosomes and you develop like your male appendages and the nipples just go away so it says Darwin glimpsed the truth in his own speculation two and a half centuries ago. He suggested that they were vestiges of an earlier stage of human evolution, human evolution, a time during infancy of the world when he thought all people were hermaphrodites. Males and females do in fact start from the same genetic blueprint. Embryos in their first week develop structures with the potential to become either male or female sex organs. Only later do sex-specific hormones begin to mold those structures into either a clitoris or a penis, either functioning mammary glands or an unproductive male nipples. Males and females are not separate interests. Oh my gosh, guys. I'm not even high, but I'm like fumbling like I am. Males and females are not separate entities, entities shared independently by natural selection. Both sexes are variants upon a single ground plan, and nipples begin to appear before that sex differentiation begins. So males are stuck with the nipples as they mature. It's not entirely fair to say that they serve no possible purpose, though. Under unusual conditions like starvation or a spike in the levels of hormone, men can actually produce milk if they're scared enough. Well, guys, you, you've heard it here. Um... This is an official article on why men have nipples from discovermagazine.com. So, I'm just saying, if you guys want your man to start producing milk, just get him scared enough, and he will. Um, I love femboys. It's obvious from this article that women are the blueprint. I will leave you guys with that. Goodbye. Thank you.